Time travel weapon. Boom. Oh, he's doing genocide. They've been doing it for 200 years. 200 fucking years. Everybody and welcome to Into the Wormhole with Larissa and Lauren. I'm Larissa Maestro, and here with me, as always, is my number one, Lauren Lowen. Hey, 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 hey. So, uh, can you believe it's been a whole fucking year? Uh, no. <laughs> we we did one episode, technically two, but you know we did yeah. one time in the studio. And I the same don't room. think we thought yeah. we would still be doing this from our respective homes a year later. No, no. It's kind of overwhelming, right? Uh, but like, happy anniversary, though. Thanks, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of our one year anniversary of the start of our podcast because we released our first episode like a week into quarantine in in March of last year when when uh, Tennessee shut down so it's <laughs> I thought you were saying happy anniversary to the pandemic but I realized oh, oh she means happy- the podcast yes happy I mean anniversary. to you <laughs> to you and me yay <laughs> that's that's nice but also to also to the pandemic <laughs> man some some might say it's been uh, quite a year perhaps a year of hell oh my god it really has it really has. So yeah, uh, in honor of <laughs> in honor of the past year being literally hellish, we're going to talk about the Voyager two part episode "Year of Hell." <laughs> Bring it. Uh, I mean, it's it seems so fitting to talk about an episode called "Year of Hell," but also there have been a bunch of random posts on like star trek twitter or um like star trek facebook groups or whatever where people are like describe the past year in a an episode title oh from star trek and it's just like i just i'm just like showing up to see how many people are saying year of hell yeah that that kind of <laughs> seems like the obvious choice yeah because that's the one this episode is considered to be one of the best episodes of voyager i know i was gonna ask that but my memory is that it's it's consistently on top 10 list for Voyager. Yes. If, yes. If not one of the like, you know, top three episodes, we'll say. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I will say I agree. This is high up for me as far as Voyager episodes go. I mean, it's just fun. <laughs> I have a confession. What's that? I totally thought we were going to record this and I would have to tell you my deep dark secret, which is I don't really care for this episode. Oh, my God. But, but after because I've seen it before. But after I was forced again to watch it and pay attention for the podcast, I realized I was like, yeah, this is this is pretty fun, especially the first part. I, yeah, there are still issues I have with it. And I think those are the small things that once I walk away and I think about it, I think mm. I don't want to watch it again, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I understand. But I will say like the. Do you think the first episode is better than the second one of this two-parter? I mean... Do you like it because Voyager just gets smashed and everyone's getting injured? Yes. I mean... I love that. I love it. <laughs> I love that part of it. I love seeing Janeway in charge in battle also. I mean, I think it continues the story pretty nicely. I do think the first half is tighter than the second half. Okay. Well, maybe we should get into the summary before we get into the yeah. specifics. <laughs> also, I un- I totally understand. Now that I'm thinking about it, you're not a, really a fan of time travel stuff yeah, in but, Star Trek. Yeah, but this isn't really time travel. This is time manipulation. This yeah. isn't, oh, we traveled to, uh, I mean, I like the San Francisco one. Don't get me wrong. I like time zero. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. I what I don't like is that cliche that every time travel story has that kind of trope where it's like, we have a yeah. character thrown back 
they have to pretend they're not from the future. Yeah. You know, and there's always somebody that's their ally and they just think that person's crazy. And then they're like, whoa, you really are from the future. And I'm just waiting and waiting to get to that point so we can carry on. Um, But this this definitely isn't that kind of story. Like, when is Sarah Silverman going to figure it out? When is she when is Sarah Silverman going to get on board with this? (laughs) (laughs) I have to admit in uh, Star Trek Wales. Um, yeah, <laughs> I didn't mind it there. Star like Trek. that story is kind of that, but they did it really well. It was fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm just gonna call that Star Trek. Whales Star Trek now. whales. <laughs> Star Trek whales into darkness. Um, <laughs> Star Trek beyond whales into yes. Darkness. Just add whales to every single Star Trek title. Year of whales. Year of whales. Year of whale right. hail. <laughs> whale hail. <laughs> so we're gonna attempt a. Uh, recap for you guys. This is a two-part episode. Can I do it? <laughs> yes, please. Because it's We're gonna need, so much I'm gonna need your help, on. but this is just I'm gonna here be for the you. really quick Lauren summary. Yeah, I'm here for you. That's what friends are for. Okay, so Voyager <laughs> still trying to get home. That's pretty much how every episode opens. So trying wait, to get they're home. still trying to get home, <laughs> and basically they come across an area of space where there is a scientist guy who is using a spaceship time manipulation weapon to wipe out species because it will manipulate history in a way that brings back his race to power and also brings back his wife however they've been doing this for 200 years and no matter what he does he can't get the colony that his wife was on so every time he manipulates history he never quite gets it the way he wants to so this crew has been at it for 200 years Voyager crosses their path. They get affected by this time travel weapon into what is called the year of hell. And they get damaged and destroyed and people get injured and all that sort of fun stuff. They take Chakotay in Paris because eventually Voyager develops shields that give them protection from the weapon. Temporal shielding. And they are getting in the way of the plans. They are a factor that the scientists didn't really take into account. So he steals Tom and Chakotay. They're on the ship trying to work out what to do and help Voyager. And they do that. (laughs) And they do that. They do things that help. (laughs) I'm I'm really trying to blow through this, if you could tell. Uh, Paris ends up helping to start a mutiny on the the Krenum ship. And they're able to get a message to Voyager that they're going to be able to, like, shut down their temporal core so the Voyager can come blow them up. Yeah, and then their shields yeah. go out of the way. So they're able to, de- uh, to defeat the ship. They blow it up, which, again, changes history so that this mad scientist never made this sh- time travel weapon ship to begin with. And then it ends with him being back on his planet with his wife. Um, and then Voyager goes back to hunky dory a year ago and they continue on their way. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> now we can get all the little details, but Oh yeah. That's it. Oh yeah. Time travel um, weapon. Boom. Or I just wanted to mention really quick a little bit of the history about this episode. So this episode is foreshadowed in a season three episode of Voyager. So this year of hell is season four episodes eight and nine and it is mentioned in the season three episode before and after the one where Kess is like moving through time in her own life and she hears about the year of hell and like tells them don't go to Krenum space or don't do this or whatever whatever it's mentioned so it's it's cute that it's foreshadowed already and the other cool thing is that Brandon Braga, I guess, uh, who co-wrote the episode, was playing with the idea of having this be an entire season of Voyager. Yeah, that I kind of love. I know. I, I kind of like am super into a, an entire season of Voyager just being completely destroyed. I mean, it kind and- of reminds me of like Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, which which you know Ronald D. Moore did TNG, yeah, a big part of Deep Space Nine, and then I think he worked like barely in Deep uh, Voyager before he left. But a lot of people, and and he also cited one of the frustrating things about Voyager was that everything was so perfect, like it was just yeah, you know, everyone's 
having their champagne like Janeway's talking about and you know whereas uh things with Battlestar Galactica when Ronald D. Moore headed that was that everything got dirty and you know the ship started falling apart and yeah it, like shit got serious <laughs> and yes, so exactly I feel like this is the one time at Voyager it actually kind of gets real like that yeah totally I mean Voyager more than any of of the other shows in the franchise I think really does that hard reset every episode and it's 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 a it's almost like now everything's clean like like literally like everything's been vacuumed and scrubbed yes <laughs> before the before the beginning of the next episode and you don't really and this is this is the show i think where the exploration of something like PTSD which we get in this episode like the the place that Voyager is in is like the perfect place to explore what happens to people who are experiencing PTSD. I feel like it would have just given, if they'd spent more time in this sort of world, it would have given Janeway so much more to, to like more like grit, more shit to do more shit to chew on. I mean, this episode, like she's like Kate Mulgrew is like killing it in this episode, basically. Like, she is so tough. She is just, like, just trying to get things. I mean, obviously, of course, like, she is neglecting her own health and all of that stuff. I I literally wrote in my notes, Catherine, self-care. It's important. (laughs) Like, seriously, like, take a nap. I mean, I thought one of the more interesting moments of that is when she's ignoring the doctor. and. Not only does he give the command, like, I now, you know, order you to basically stopping the captain. Forget what the yeah. formal yeah. command is, but... Relieve relieve her of duty. Thank you. Stop yeah. working. But, you know, she's kind of like, what are you going to do? We don't have force fields. Like, there's no way you can contain me. There's no security to reinforce yeah. this. Yeah. And she almost, um, you know, she obviously has to do what she has to do because there's only, what, like eight people running the ship? Yeah, but and also Tuvok's blind. That, too, <laughs> but it makes it, it's kind of scary in a way because you realize yeah. like Janeway's just doing what she has to do, but you wonder if she's also going to get to a breaking point where she's just as obsessed and maybe almost like dead. Like I, you know, I I couldn't remember all this episode, but part of me wondered like, oh, is there a scene where the crew does talk about their own form of uh mutiny? Mutiny. Yeah. M- yeah. Mutiny? Yeah. Mutiny. Yeah, you're you're totally right. That's the that's one of the I think strengths of this episode is seeing Janeway and Anorex like sort of like foil each other, but also uh, parallel each other in in their like increasing obsession mm. and how how sort of the difference in availability of resources affects the way that they tackle their their respective situations. Like he's just got all he's got everything he needs and he's protected and she's not like she's they're fucked like Voyager is so fucked. I love how fucked up Voyager (laughs) is in this episode. I do. I enjoy all of that, which is probably most of episode one. Episode one is seeing the ship. I mean, literally fall apart, but also just their their situation getting worse and worse. And then um, the second episode focuses more on. Tom and Chakotay on the alien ship kind of plotting and getting to know Annex. What's his name again? Anorex. Anthrax. Anorex. Anorex. What is his name? Anorex. What is it? Sorry, I'm just laughing. I'm just going to let her try. Uh, I hear something. It's it's the dad from that 70s show. Hey, everybody. It's It's Kurtwood Smith. Yeah. Oh, let's just talk. Can we just talk about that real quick? Uh, yes. Because Kurtwood Smith, I think, belongs in in the Star Trek guest star Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> and he's only been he only has had four guest starring roles on Star Trek. But he's so he's such a memorable actor that it's just like, oh, yeah. Uh, that's that's Kurtwood Smith. That's the guy from that seventies show. His <laughs> his voice is so recognizable. Oh, yes. His face is so recognizable, and he's a very 
good actor. His other in-franchise appearances, aside from Anorex on on this episode, Year of Hell, are Star Trek VI. He was the Federation president. DS9 episode Things Past. He was uh, the former, the security chief of uh, Tarak Nor before Odo. So he was a Cardassian. He's a very convincing Cardassian also. And then he was a voice on Lower Decks this first season. Oh, really? Um, yeah, he was. <laughs> he was. Uh, it was like when they're. It's an episode we haven't talked about. Okay, I'll have to look out for it's, it. Yeah, that species that's uh, uh, putting the the crew of the Cerritos on trial. And they're basically calling the four Lower Decks main characters as witnesses. And they're like, how do you not know what's going on on your own ship? And they're like, because we're, we're not important. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just little minions yeah but okay. i remember being like hey it's red foreman <laughs> <laughs> he's back so yes kurtwood smith he i feel like he belongs in the hall of fame with like uh james cromwell <laughs> you know i feel like that's a good place for him okay <laughs> anyway moving on can we talk a little bit about his character and the alien ship yeah 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 okay because Here's the thing. Like I said in, in the beginning of this episode, my memory is that this is not one I go to to watch and be like, oh, yeah, this episode. I like this episode. And yeah, uh, I, I've been thinking about this because I don't think necessarily his character was miscast. Like you said, he's a good actor. And I think he plays the character well. I can't think of anything I would want different. But I feel like I have more fun when they're just looking at the ship versus what's actually happening on the alien ship. And I don't know if it's just the fact that he gets to deal with Tom and Chakotay. Like, maybe I would have preferred if somebody else was else. over there. It just seems like they... You mean like Bolana, really... who has almost nothing to do in this episode? Like, let it be Bolana. Like, she would have beat the shit that out of That would have been interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I just feel like... And maybe that's what it is. Like, maybe for me, a good chunk of this storyline just is, and it's all just personal taste, by the way, this has nothing to do with a fault of the episodes, but for yeah. me, it's just like, Oh, we have Tom and Chakotay. And I, my memory too, is that Tom and Chakotay were playing like kind of a good cop, bad cop thing. Like when they're in yeah. the dining room and you know, he's like, hold, hold on a minute, Tom, like hear him out. I thought there was a scene where they went back to the prison and they were kind of, talking about their plan um even though they somewhat have a plan later on but i didn't remember chakotay actually sort of drinking the kool-aid yeah and it to me it seems a little weird like i think they could have if they had time <laughs> no pun intended um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> um i would have loved if if they somehow more effectively i don't know it's just I guess Kirkwood's character, it's almost like he's a character MacGuffin. Like, he's just, like, there for yeah. plot. But I didn't feel like he his character, like, yes, he has motivation. But he's not, like, one of those characters I think about when I think of, like, great villains in Star Trek history. Or just, or just interesting characters. Like, I wish he came off to me a little bit more gray. But the whole time, it's always, okay, he's obviously the bad guy. And he's obsessed and Chakotay is, is sympathetic for him, but I never yeah. get there with Chakotay. Okay. So now that I'm thinking about uh, who else they could have kidnapped and what that would have done for the plot. Okay. Um, and what that would have done <laughs> Neelix, for character development. No. <laughs> Harry. I was even wondering, like, should have they just at least taken Harry? Because even Harry and Tom is like a dynamic duo. No, but if it had been Harry and Bolana. Okay, I'm listening. They are they are so different. Like a, as far as their characters go, mm. the way that they handle stress is completely opposite. True. Harry's Harry's always like, everything's gonna be fine. Everything's gonna be okay. I'm just gonna try to be empathetic and try to be nice to everyone, and everything's gonna be okay. And Balan is like, I'm gonna find some weapons and I'm gonna shoot some people and I'm gonna get the fuck out of here. I'm gonna or I'm gonna <laughs> science my way out of this situation because I am very smart. And Harry, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing, Harry? And Harry's like, but he seems he gave us food and he seems nice and and he lost his whole family and you know, and she's like, Harry, oh my God. Yeah. No. You know, that that makes sense. 
Chakotay drinking the Kool-Aid, you're right, does not make any sense. Like, I, I kept thinking, like, he's playing him, right? That's he's what playing I thought. Him, but he wasn't. And I was like, why is he not playing him, though? <laughs> <laughs> This uh, until until he finally is playing him, but he has to like watch him destroy an entire civilization in order to like get to that place. Yeah, I was like, Chakotay, he's doing genocide. Like you in your character should understand. Yeah, yeah, what genocide looks like. And your point about <laughs> Harry, like first of all, if you took him off the ship, he doesn't really do that much on Voyager. So yeah. I think. Like, you're right if you moved him. It's not like you're missing anything. Oh, poor Harry. But the the fact that out of all of them, I think family's the most important to Harry. I mean, that's, like, something they touch upon the yes. whole show about how Harry yes. is so attached to his parents and just wants, like, a goddamn letter from his parents. Um, oh, that he might letter. be like, I can, let me talk to him. Like, I understand. I miss my family so much. But I wouldn't do this to see them or... You know, like yes. that could have been an interesting dynamic where he just wanted more time to try to reason with Anthrax, yes. uh, Kurtwood Smith. <laughs> Anthrax. 70s yes. dad. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes, totally, totally, totally. Now that I'm thinking about it, I do think that Chakotay and Paris were the wrong people for I, that. I just am not that interested in Chakotay when he has to stand, when he's out of the ensemble thing. Yeah. You know, and so for them, this is like his little drum solo. And I'm just kind of like. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, no. Like, honestly, I feel like if they'd let them kidnap Harry and Bolana and kill off Chakotay, because I feel like one of. no. Oh, you're right. No, they're going back in time. Why not? Because they're going to fix it anyway, because I think what they're trying, what they were trying to do was they were trying to take Chakotay out of the situation on Voyager so that Janeway was more isolated and alone. Yeah, that's true. Which makes complete sense to me as far as that whole plot line goes. So if you need to get Chakotay out of the picture, we're resetting everything anyway at the end. Just kill him. Yeah, you're right. That's fine. It's fucking fine. Like nobody in the senior staff dies. We only have Tuvok is injured. Yeah, it is kind of amazing nobody, that nobody. Yeah. I mean, I guess like technically Janeway dies because she flies into the alien ship at the end. But still, like no, there should I mean, have yeah, been like, something. That's the end, though. I wonder if that's just because <laughs> all the actors were like, no, I want to be in the episode. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, someone know. someone should have died. You might as well have it feel like a real threat. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that would have made it if one of if someone on the senior staff had actually bit the dust. Oh god, if if um I would have loved it if the doctor had to close the hat that uh, I should explain to the listener. There's one on point Chicote. early on where uh, <gasps> some of the decks are going to I think blow up and so yeah. the doctor has to evacuate sickbay and he has um he's moving people into the Jeffrey tubes to get them safe and he's has the door open for as long as he can and then there's two crewmen running towards it but they run out of time so he has to shut the door and that means those two crewmen are lost i would have loved it if somebody from our main cast was one of those two yes 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 that would have made that would have just raised all of the stakes for the whole thing I mean, the stakes are really high in this episode. Like, we're seeing a lot of stuff that we've never seen before on this show. Like, we're seeing the ship completely destroyed, which is a big deal. Like, there's a lot of really fun action stuff in this episode that we haven't seen before on this show, which is really fun. But if we had lost someone, because here we are, like, it's Star Trek, like... Again, we know that main cast members don't get killed off on Star Trek. Like it just doesn't really happen. Right. You know? Like it it hap- it happens seldomly. One time like one time I mean we have it, obviously it, Terry you know, Farrell, but that was more for Terry like Farrell, yeah, back back was, behind the scene reasons. <laughs> that was Rick Berman's fault. <laughs> that was Rick Berman, everybody. And then or yeah, and then Tasha Yar. I mean Cass she didn't die, but she left the show. But we're talking about yeah, she deaths, left the show. right? Yeah, we're talking Not just about leaving like the show. Deaths. Yeah. yeah. Like main characters just dying. Like And Tasha I mean, Yar, that was yeah, because yeah. But you're right. I mean, out of like all these full casts, we're talking about a handful of characters. Yeah, like that doesn't really happen. So like we do that 
here in this episode, it just it like takes it just like elevates it, man. Oh, if it had been Chakotay running for that door. Yeah, I mean, Damn. really, like the whole point, like you said, is get rid and of then Chakotay. imagine her finding the watch. Imagine her finding the watch. And Chakotay's dead instead of kidnapped. <gasps> there. Dun, dun, dun. So Chakotay, like, tries to give her a birthday present. He replicated this fancy watch for her, this, like, ancient timepiece, and tries to give it to her. And Janeway's like, no, recycle it. We need all the energy and matter we can get to, like, save the ship. Blah, blah, blah. Then Chakotay doesn't recycle it. Then he's kidnapped. And then she goes to his quarters and she finds the watch and has an has an emotional moment and then wears it on her hip for the rest of the episode if he had been dead yeah instead of just kidnapped if he had been dead oh my god like that would i would have i mean i always cry at like everything but like i would have been like oh no <laughs> go to you know like that would have just ah we're like this is this is what our podcast is now. Lauren and Larissa rewrite. I was gonna say, Trek. welcome to another episode of <laughs> Larissa and Lauren, Lauren rewrite Star, Star Trek. Trek. This is us. Just what if they did this? What if they did that? Oh, hey, perfect. I do want to bring up something though. Real with the ship. Okay, so obviously, like you know, like Janeway takes off her her jacket, um, and people are a little dirty. And there's a few strands out of Seven's hair, <laughs> like French twist. I mean, she still looks great, though. But I think it's funny that the only time we see someone really disheveled is there's a very quick scene of Chakotay after being like in isolation on the alien ship. He has a slight beard, um, which is not a two month <laughs> beard. It's like he didn't shave for a week. Um, but I was thinking it's like at the end, Harry Kim still has like his perfect hair. It's just been scruffed up a little bit. You know, yep. and part of me is thinking, I've, I haven't had my haircut in a year, this right. pandemic, like our year of hell. It's like, I haven't had time. And I realize they can just, it's space and they probably just walk under something and it cuts their hair for them. But with all of this, you know, recycle the watch and energy is precious. Like, right. Even me, like, I just don't have the energy sometimes to like yeah. handle my self-care because there's so many other things that are important. And I feel like it would have been fun if towards the end, if it really was like Harry's hair is like long in a ponytail and, you know, people are just like, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, why is the deflector dish not working, but we still somehow have a sonic shower? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, we yeah. still have, like, we still have, like, you can still find, you can still get your haircut somehow. I don't know how that, like, how are we doing triage in the mess hall? But, like, Janeway's hair is still, she's still got the bob. Right. Going. And again, it's just like, oh, I had my, like, wind <laughs> messed up my hair. But, uh, yeah, I think that, I think, I mean, I realize why they didn't do it, you know, but I think it would have been fun. It would have been a fun yeah. artistic touch, at least for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish they would have let at least all the men grow beards, kind of like. Because here's the thing, too. After being in a pandemic and running after two kids, I have access to all this self-hygiene stuff. Sometimes I'm just too damn tired, Larissa. Yeah. Sometimes it really is like I could get up and take a shower, but I am too tired. And I feel like with yep. eight people on the ship, like you're running around like crazy fixing everything. There's probably times where like the last minute you want to do is take two minutes to take a sonic shower. You'd rather just go straight to bed. Right? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So there's, <laughs> I feel like this is a good time to like get into how it felt to watch this episode a year into a global pandemic. Okay. Because they, so they like, they do a thing if you've seen the episode recently, you'll know they do a thing where they have a day marker. They're like, day one. <laughs> day 133. You know, and it's... <laughs> thinking about that in terms of, like, I, like, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was I was keeping track of how many days it had been since our first night of quarantine, right? So, like, our first night here for me and Dan was... Friday, March 13th. That was our first night. Friday the 13th. In. Friday the 13th. Oh, man. 
And I started like keeping track of how many weeks, how many days, how many weeks it had been. I have since stopped. (laughs) Right. Why? But that felt like sort of eerie. And then also there's a moment at the beginning of the episode after they've been sort of in a fight with the Kremlin, the Kremlin. I did it. I said the Kremlin. (laughs) They've been in this, this war with Vladimir Putin, (laughs) but they've been, they've been in battle with the Krenum already. And Janeway sits down in her chair and she says, this is turning out to be the week from hell. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, girl, I feel you. That's what it felt like at the beginning. Yeah, we were all like, like, oh, "Oh, it's two weeks. We'll just buy some puzzles and. Right? Like, this this. is going to suck, not knowing how bad it was going to be. It's so weird. It, uh, that moment, that moment for me was like, oh, shit. (laughs) Like, here we are. I've, I'm, man, so many, like, moments where I was like, er, I even, like, looked up, like, the beginning of part two, they say day 133. I was like, when was that for me? Right. <laughs> what were we I doing it up. on day 133? For me, it was July 24th. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, we were still trying to get people to wear masks, man. Mm-hmm. Do you remember <laughs> what your last like big event was before kind of the, the big shutdown, like before you hunkered down? Whether it was yeah. like an event or a, a date or... It was a um, benefit show for the Community Foundation of Middle Tennessee for tornado response. Oh, gosh. At Marathon. I played with Margot Price. And I hugged a lot of people that day. <laughs> it's a good thing I because... Mike to... Grimes on the face. You have to stock up on those hugs. Yeah, but like, of course, I kissed Grimy on the head. He just the basement east had just been destroyed. <laughs> yeah, you know, we were like, going it, through our own stuff in Nashville last March, right? And it was like a week after the tornado yeah. that that yeah. we had to lock everything down. So, yeah, I mean, think like thinking about like not knowing how long it was going to be. And then thinking about like having to, and she also, so that's not the the only thing that she says that like feels that way. She also says when they're in, in part two, when they're hiding in that class nine nebula and they're just like isolated in there trying to fix their shit. Uh, she says, I thought this nebula would be a safe haven until we finish repairs, but it's turning into a permanent residence. Oh, that's true. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, my goodness. Yes. We're in the nebula. <laughs> I, uh, my last event, it was actually in February because Keith and I had, you know, we have a, we had Andrew, a small child, so we don't really get out that much. But ours was, um, we don't celebrate Valentine's Day. We actually go out on what we call Valentine's Day Eve. <laughs> That's so smart. it just became something that we did out of, for practical reasons and it became like our thing but I don't want to say it was a joke but as a more like lighthearted date we went to Dave and Buster's oh I love it yeah and but it's it's funny to think that like that was our last big thing is we went to Dave and Buster's and we won like a bouncy ball for our son <laughs> your last big thing was Dave and Buster's well what else should we talk about with this episode well so I have always really enjoyed watching this episode and that's for a lot of like I told I acknowledge the problems that you have with it and I totally agree with those problems which by the way is not like me trying to say like you're wrong or like even my favorite episodes I can point out things that you know don't quite work and and I'm not even saying they don't work about this episode it's just me. Yeah, so yeah. I don't want you to feel like you have to defend your liking of this episode. Oh no, no. I am I don't have guilty pleasures, you guys. I <laughs> just take, pleasures. I take responsibility for all of my pleasures and I back <laughs> them 100%. Uh this episode to me feels like I mean, it feels like a 90s action sci-fi movie. Even the music is like bigger. There are just, there are so many moments that are just like yeah, like the part where that whole deck blows up. Yeah. That is so much fun to watch. I love episodes like this where Janeway is just a badass <laughs> and she's just like 
go, go, go. And like, no, I'm going to I'm going to fucking jump into this literal fire so that I can fix the deflector dish. And that's just because I'm a fucking badass and I I am in charge and I know I have to take care of so many people, you know, her final moment. Like I literally I think about that regularly. I'm like, there is Janeway blowing up the patriarchy. Like she literally says, time's up. Oh God, that was so 90s film, yeah. (laughs) She literally says, time's up, and then flies Voyager directly into the Krenum weapon ship. I just want to be like, where's Sylvester Stallone? Where's, where's, you know, Arnold? Time's up. Yeah, but it was, but also like thinking about it now after the whole time's up movement, watching a female captain blow up a guy that's fucking everyone up because he's trying to change everything for his own benefit <laughs> is like kind of fun. <laughs> I will admit though, like her going into the fire, I think was more about how she's getting unstable. Yeah, yeah I know. Like, it's true. Like, but Picard would never do that. Picard no. would be like, Riker, sorry, dude, but you're going in the fire. <laughs> he would, he would definitely send somebody else. No, because also Picard is a diplomat. He's not. This is true. Uh, this is true. But like, I feel like Kirk would have gone into the fire. Yeah. Kirk would have jumped in there. Both Kirks would have jumped in there. <laughs> true. Very uh, true. You know, uh, maybe Cisco would have jumped in there. I'd be like, Odo. <laughs> yeah, you? he would have said, no, you send <laughs> Odo in there. I have no idea if Odo, like, fire hurts Odo. I'm going to imagine it does. Picard would have sent Data. I was going to say, we would get data. Of yeah. course. But, like, we don't have data. We don't have a data. Why couldn't you send the doctor? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, my God. Maybe the fire would have disrupted his program. Like, he couldn't uh, form. Yeah. Or it would have it would have uh, messed with his uh, Oh, yeah. Like, fried there. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, but, but also, he doesn't have skin. True. Yeah. I was actually. No, I guess he can. Yeah, he can go around the ship. At this point, can he get off yeah, the ship? Yeah, he's got the mobile. That's what I thought. That's point. what I thought. Yeah. Okay. So so for me, this is like, there's a lot more action in this episode than there is in most of Star Trek. Well, that's true. That's true. I mean, that's why it's kind of fun. That's Yeah. yeah. It's the same reason why I like Disasters from TNG. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's got a lot of like fun, active shit going on. But there's also a lot of moments that I tend to like, like little emotional moments, like when she sends everyone out in the escape pods, when she makes that speech. Yeah, especially after Chakotay suggests that. And she's like, oh, no, no, no. And she finally yeah. has to admit that's the only choice I have. Um, I yeah. also really like uh, the couple of moments that um, Seven and Tuvok have because once. I love tu- all of those moments. Yeah. I love all of them, except that I hate watching people shave. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once Tuvok goes blind, listener, um, Seven is sort of his valet, I guess you could say. Um, she she helps him across the ship and stuff whenever he's walking. And uh, no, it's just fun because they have conversations like her being Borg and very logical. And then obviously Vulcan aspect of Tuvok. They have some conversations that are just that are just nice. Yeah. Yeah. There are, again, nice friendship moments and nice moments where like they really get each other where they really understand each other yeah they bond yeah. over the the like huh of yeah of humans <laughs> yes <laughs> humans <laughs> am i right that's the perfect way to say it yeah but then there's that really sweet moment where uh janeway says goodbye to tuvok yes and that made me get a little you know a little bit uh choked up because i love janeway and tuvok's friendship so much but yeah there are like nice little moments even the part where harry's trying to keep balana just distracted from the pain of her injury yeah yeah trying to distract balana by playing that uh trivia game with her it's so hairy what a ha- what a hairy thing to do yeah you know it's so sweet and hairy and like you know wholesome Harry's so fucking wholesome. And to your point, I think if this was like a whole season long, that would be like the whole B story to, um, well, I guess, I guess like in disasters where Picard was kind of stuck in the, you know, with the kids, with the boy. 
Um, but oh. yeah, there would have been an episode where there was an attack and Harry and her are stuck in the the turbo lift and, you know, she's injured and he's just trying to distract her. Yeah. yeah. Like it would have been a, a bigger, like sweeter moment. And in that, in that moment, they do have a little cute reference to mm-hmm. the movie First Contact. Yes. Which is also a time travel movie time travel plot and seven mentions that the Borg were there and that it was a long story and it's that's yeah that's very cute I, I really like enjoyed that, that. <laughs> I was like oh yeah I forgot because like nobody on earth knows that, that that they were there and that's funny yeah it's a good wink wink to that <laughs> it really is um can we talk about the Krenum ship yes I noticed that you have pictures so I was like this ship is cool. I liked the design of that like thing that opens up Looks with very their squid-like. time laser. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, it looks like something else. And I feel like it kind of looks a little bit like the Romulan ship from Star Trek 2009. Like it has the same vibe, but the, the Romulan ship from 2009 is, you know, darker and sharper More menacing. and scarier. Yeah. yeah. Uh, more chaotic looking but it's sort of the, a similar shape you know what I mean yeah no I saw that I saw both pictures and I was like oh interesting like I, I totally understood why you had those images saved yeah I mean I think this ship is really cool <laughs> I just think it's cool I think it's interesting I think it's an interesting design it kind of it doesn't look like sort of anything we've maybe seen before it just it seems really uh different and original and I'm into it it is kind of fun, too, that in the beginning when they come across the the ship, you know, it's not very menacing at all. It's just kind of like pew pew. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're hailing Voyager and it's not a threat at all. And then once the, the first sort of time change happens, that ship gets much more powerful yeah. and bigger. So I, I, I enjoyed that. That was fun to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was cool. Well, like seven figuring out the temporal shield shielding because there's that temporal like bomb basically like lodged in the hull of Voyager. Yeah. And then she like figures out what frequency it's resonating at or something, you know, Star Trekky. But then once they're actually protected, how they're like, uh, oh, okay, wait, something just happened because they don't remember the yeah. first one. Because they're not protected. But then once they start figuring it out, that is really fun. Do you imagine what this episode would have been like if they didn't have S.H.I.E.L.D. and Voyager kept changing? Yeah. You know, I haven't seen it in a long time, but my brother brought up the episode Shattered, where I guess, is it Kess? It sounds like a Kess thing, but maybe it's somebody else. They're going through the ship, and the ship is shattered into different timelines. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think it's, isn't it seven? Is it seven? It could be. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm getting, I'm kind of like getting flashbacks to that episode. Yeah. Uh, with that idea. Yeah. So maybe it's already yeah. been done. I mean, Voyager loved that kind of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, I think it would have been cool, but I know they didn't have like a lot of time to do it, but I, I think it would have been cool if they had gone through more than one like time shift before version they, yeah like yeah. maybe for a second there they're yeah. back on top you know what i mean yeah yeah like they're yeah. powerful again and maybe they're even like almost home wouldn't that been yeah oh, like a man. big tease like hey we found out this equation and da 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 we're gonna go home and then right? boop, another time shift occurs we're just making everything better over <laughs> here you guys <laughs> or we're just, or just, just different like, Dangle the carrot a little bit for us, you know, like make the make the stakes a little higher in any way that you can, you know, like they, they could have raised the stakes even more uh, than they did. The other thing about the the Krenum weapon ship or like the weapon itself is that it can't change things, really. It just eliminates things. So like you can't like change the trajectory of a comet. You can just get rid of the comet. Yeah, it would have, or it just would have been interesting if uh, they changed something and that meant like a new species happened. Yeah. Like, you know, like, cause you could have totally, you know, if, if this planet wasn't there, the species wasn't there, then this comet 
ended up doing this and spawning this species. Like, I think you could have had a lot of fun with, um, with yeah, like that just happening. Yeah, with like things changing that weren't just like the Crenum ship's bigger, the Crenum ship's smaller, the Crenum ship's bigger, the Crenum ship's smaller. Like if it was if it was like, oh, wow, now there's like a whole bunch of other ships here that weren't here before that are that are like after the Crenum ship now. Yeah. Now there's three new species that didn't exist. Yeah. They like eliminated the the Kremen, whatever they are. And then. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. Like the the, literally like with this kind of premise, the possibilities are endless. And I feel like they didn't they didn't really like tap in to like all of what they could have done with it. Like I would have loved been... it if after the, the initial time change, if we just had a random new character on Voyager. Just appearing out of nowhere. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just like, and they're... everyone's just like, oh, hey, Joe. <laughs> Maybe it's supposed to be like a, an alien they picked up in the Alpha Quadrant. Right. Or, or Delta Quadrant, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, but I think that could have been fine. And then it's just like, they're gone. And Yeah. And then and yeah. nobody remembers them. Yeah, totally. That would have been really cool. Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> eh. Eh. One thing I... I think on the alien ship in part two they spend very little time with tom and kind of like the second in command who i'm just gonna call ryan felipe lookalike yeah i don't um, we don't know his but name. <laughs> like we basically get through second hand conversations you know d- other dialogue with tom that we get this information from him that like oh yeah i'm bonding with this crewman who says they're the crew is frustrated and you know yeah, we never see that some, for, ga- some game but um, I almost feel like instead of spending time with Chakotay and the main guy, we should have spent more time with Tom and some of the crew that were mm-hmm. disillusioned with this. And and then it comes out they've been doing it for 200 years. 200 fucking years. And that's kind of what years. I want to talk about. Because in my mind, they were doing it for like 10 or 20. And then yeah. I'm thinking 200 years? And in the very beginning of the episode, they get to like 98% of what they're going for. What is it? Restoration? Right. Is that what they yeah. call it? Yeah. 98 yeah. restoration. So it's like, dude, our species is on top again. We're powerful. Like, woo. They should be throwing confetti. And, you know, of course, the boss man is like, if it's not 100%, if we don't have that colony and my wife, then nope, we're going back. And if I was if I was his crewman, I would have been like, you Dumb fuck. Like, no. no. Yeah, fuck like, no. The mutiny would have happened there. I can't imagine them going through 200 years and not just, like, right then. Yeah, yeah. Because they'd never gotten that. Like, he even says that. Ryan yes. Felipe guy. <laughs> We're just going to call him Ryan, Ryan Felipe guy. It even, even says, like, we have never been this close. Yes. We will never get to 100. And Red Foreman's like, I'm in charge, though. Because after a while, it should be pretty apparent that He's just trying to get his wife back. Yeah. So you think the other crewmen would be like, oh, hell no. We're trying to get the whole civilization and species back in good standing. If that's what your goal is, like, we're getting rid of you. Yeah. We're potentially talking about, like, billions of people here. And, like, you're just worried about one person. Also, they must just be tired. It's been 200 years. Like, they... (laughs) Yeah, that I wish they didn't make it so long because it really messes with my belief that they would put up with his shit for so long. Yeah, like if there had been some sort of like other than uh, I don't know, like psychological manipulation and abuse from this obvious tyrannical obsessive guy, if there had been some other way that he was keeping them there, or you know. Or I think I would have loved it if instead of like the big aha moment being Chakotay realizing, yes, our bad guy's a bad guy, which we already knew. Oh, he's doing genocide. (laughs) I would have loved it if Ryan Felipe's character was still in the kind of in the dark about him always just wanting the colony and his wife. Because you kind of get from the very beginning because Kirkwood Smith's character just keeps going like, what about the colony? What about the colony? And you can almost tell that his second in command knows like, I have to tell him again, the colony's not there. And no, you can't get back to your wife. But I would have loved it if for some reason, the big turning point on the alien ship was that the second in command finally realizes he's going for his wife and that's it. Yeah. And that should have been the turning point where he then goes to Tom and says, fuck this. Like, I'm going to yeah. help you because my boss 
is the, like crazy. Yeah. And he's not yeah. looking out for any of us. So that that would have been like a nice yeah, yeah catalyst, like, I think. Like if, if Kurt Wood Smith's character was saying like this colony is like a like a litmus test for whether this incursion went well. Ooh, and that's why or, we're, you know, and then and then he finds out that's where his wife was. Yeah, that would have been really and interesting. He like know. he says, like, yeah. this colony is really important to our like the because the whole point, too, is like when they get rid of their enemy with this weapon, it causes their the evolution of the alien, this alien species to to lose the genetic. What, what is it again? It's like they they, lo- they lose they their lose DNA an antibody. is messed up and and they yeah, don't have yeah. like an antibody for a virus that ends up wiping yeah. them out because of what they did in the past to another species. God, I probably got that all wrong. <laughs> no, you didn't. You got it right. So you got it right. So it would have been great if he was lying to his crew and saying, "Well, we need this colony because if we don't have this colony, we're all going to die of the virus again." But then later it turns out no, he's been lying. It's just all about his wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have definitely Ooh, been more I interesting. I would have that reveal. See, all we're doing here, Brandon Braga, <laughs> no is raising the stakes. <laughs> That's all we're doing here. We're just raising the stakes. So you got to kill Chakotay. <laughs> <laughs> you got to send Harry and Bolana over to that ship. And you got to you gotta keep this secret from Ryan Phillippe guy second in command so that when he finds out it's a bigger deal and then the mutiny is a bigger deal well it's kind of like a a little bit of suspense too like i think that's maybe one of the issues is that we pretty much have all the information in the beginning yeah and that's true and it's kind of like you kind of and then you're just kind of waiting to see how they reset the episode yeah and so the voyager stuff is fun to just watch it unfold like that's kind of the the wonderful candy of the episode like you said like kind of a 90s action film and then it would have been fun if maybe that twist was revealed on the alien ship because we really don't get it. And without that, there's no reason for after 200 years for the second in command to right. finally come to his senses and say, maybe we should overthrow this guy. 200 years. Uh, that's a long time. Yeah, because he happened to play a game with Tom Paris. He just happens to be like, oh, right. my brother. Oh, maybe I should help you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like it's like a that TNG episode where they're stuck in that time loop and they figure it out after a week, but then they discover that Kelsey Grammer's ship has been in there for like two hundred years, and it's oh, like you guys yeah. didn't figure out you've been in a time loop for two hundred. Oh we figured gosh. it out in a week. <laughs> well, so I feel like in general, for me, I have a lot of fun watching this episode because it feels like different than most of the rest of Voyager because it's the pacing is different like it feels quicker it feels like there's more action it feels like there's like like the getting through the first episode I was like oh it's over already (laughs) I was like oh that was very enthralling and I will say that I have to come to the the conclusion that this is um, I understand why this episode is on a lot of top Voyager episode list. Like this episode is better than I remember. Yeah. And like I said, I, I do enjoy the first episode more. I think for me, some of the stuff that happens in the second part on the ship maybe slows it down a little bit or just isn't as interesting when compared to other things they've been doing in the episode. Yeah. So, that, I mean, that's that's kind of nice. There's like a lot of high points. And so that just means that the parts where it doesn't, quite click for me is a little disappointing but yeah like this is um this is better than i remember so it it changed my mind oh look at that yep yep (laughs) uh won't change my mind about our personal year from hell but can change mind about the episode year of hell (laughs) hopefully it will only be a year of hell oh my god hopefully we can get out of this Right. Please. Can we get out of this nebula? How do we get out of this nebula? Do I have to crash a ship into another ship and have you a time explosion happen? I have kids, oh so God. I nominate you. Okay. Yeah. Although you yeah, do have cats. Do I do have cats. That's true. What are the cats going to do? Who else can we send? <laughs> right. Can we send somebody else, please? Well, this was really fun to watch. I feel like I needed something like super distracting. 
something I could get lost in. Because sometimes, especially with Voyager, I feel like I don't get totally lost in the episode. Okay. Like I do, like I do with TNG. Sure. Or with DS9 even. Like Voyager is kind of one of the shows that I can put on while I'm doing other things. Yeah, it's it's easily digestible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But this episode, it is way more fun if you sit down and actually watch it. Than I agree. If it's in the bath in in the bathroom, in the background, <laughs> you know, in the bathroom, in the back background of the bathroom. Even though there's not like character development that really affects the, and this is very yeah. a Voyager though. There's there's nothing that like changes anybody, and everything does reset afterwards. Like so, you you don't really learn anything new about any of the characters, you know, which would have been different if they had decided to do this for an entire season instead oh, of man. just two episodes like yeah. can you I, I'm thinking about how like how the friendship between Tuvok and Seven would develop over the course of an entire season yeah and you like, just wonder if they had taken this premise even of hard times for Voyager to this extent and uh, maybe instead of it just being like bloop time ray resets everything if it's and I realized they didn't really do TV like this. I mean, even though Deep Space Nine was more episodic and Voyager, they were trying to get back to sort of just the episode of the week, you know, the adventure yeah, of the week. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if they had taken a few episodes and maybe they do find allies and those allies help the ship and they finally coast off for something yeah. later. But I do have in my notes, Janeway loves a coalition. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> it would have been interesting to see what would happen if it's three episodes where they have to, you know, park at an alien planet and get fixed. And within those three episodes, you can still have the adventure of the week, but they just happen to happen during this period where they've had yeah. this grand fight. And then like, think about I, the, the very, very end where, where everything's reset and Voyager is fixed and, and beautiful again. It's like, it's sort of like, you know, the, the Tin Man getting cleaned up in the land of Oz, you know, <laughs> he's like sparkly. He's got like a bow around his neck or something. <laughs> But, like, imagine after a whole season of, like, walking over pieces of, of hull and, like, just shit falling off the ceiling and, like, nowhere to sit, teacups everywhere, <laughs> all over the floor, broken teacups. And and then it's everything's finally back as it was. Like, that relief would be so, like, yeah. big. I'm so sorry because I'm going to go back to Battlestar Galactica. But... I've been thinking about this the last few days where one of the scenes that I remember for some reason is when the the captain is he's walk it's in an episode and, and something horrible is happening, you know. But he is walking through a hallway, huh? We're talking about Edward James almost. Yes. Love him. Also also played the dad in Selena. Um, I just yeah, just to simplify, I'm just like for people who don't know the show, I'm just like the captain. But he's yeah. walking through a hallway to his office after something horrible happening or bad news. And you just see an area of the hallway that's sort of mid-repair. Like there's a painter's tarp and he gets to his office and, and there's also like a repair. I think that's where like the painter's tarp is. And he at one point like trips or something and there's like a paint pail and he like throws the brush and he's whacking at the tarp. And, and it's so great that he's just like frustrated he's just frustrated yeah. whatever happened but he takes it out on this uh, construction that's happening in his office yeah. but it's such a great sort of juxtaposition of you know the the life of what would really happen if you're kind of lost in space and then the the fact that you know the ship is just kind of always always in repair there's always something wrong and like that's what they're dealing with and I don't know why but I always just loved that moment yeah <laughs> and that's kind yeah. of what this episode reminded me of just them like trying to casually do their thing even though there's you know sparks and pieces of metal just right yeah. in the middle of the bridge and yeah yeah and I feel like they they almost like did do that like the early parts of DS9 oh yeah know, because, yeah because the station is so fucked up and was left in such a, a sorry state so they do kind of do that but like it would have been nice to like, yeah, to like see some some more like reality, if that's if that like makes sense to even say about a sci-fi show, 
set in the future aboard Voyager because of just because of like how they don't have any resources. <laughs> it's like it's funny to like think about how like Voyager always seems to be fine, but they have no access to resources and they're completely cut off from the Federation. But DS9 seems to be always broken, <laughs> but they can actually contact Starfleet. So yeah, Voyager's <laughs> always just like, hey, this planet has something we need. We'll make a stop. But if, for them, it's just like running out and getting a gallon of milk. It's super casual. Yeah, yeah. Janeway's just always like, there's coffee in that nebula. And then there is coffee in there. <laughs> uh, anyway, yes. I, I I, mean, I would recommend this episode. It's, it is, uh, I think it's good. It's good. Like, do it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm not used to giving my recommendation, but I think there is a reason why this is on, you know, the top list for Voyager. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it'll uh, help you forget our year of hell that we just went through, at least for like an hour or so. <laughs> yeah, hour and a half. <laughs> hour and a half. <laughs> but also, also now that I'm thinking about it, if I had this temporal technology, I would not try. After watching this shit go down, I would not try to stop COVID. Because who know who knows what the fuck would happen? Oh God! I mean, yeah. I mean, basically, it just always goes wrong. Yeah. But you there's learn. just no. You don't win. You can't win. Don't mess with time. Like that's really the lesson. <laughs> don't mess with time. You guys, don't mess with time. Just don't do it. <laughs> Find us in the collective at intothewormhole.show. on Instagram at. Into the Wormhole.podcast. Into the Wormhole is brought to you by We Own This Town. Kelsey Grammer. You silly Kelsey Grammer. <laughs>